This is the Physical Activity Researcher Podcast, a podcast for researchers of sedentary behavior, physical activity, and sports. Join for a relaxed dialogue about research design, practicalities, and, well, anything related to research. Learn from your fellow researchers useful and relevant information that does not fit into formal content and limited space of scientific publications. And here is your host, researcher and entrepreneur, Ollie Tikkanen. Yeah, so in environment and context, they affect affect a lot the the behaviors that we do. How do you see this this in practice? What kind of implications it has on behavior change studies and and other other studies? Well, uh, I think the best example right now, very vivid for us, was the COVID pandemic. Like there are probably thousands of articles already there, reviews and analysis already, like how COVID changed physical activity levels, incidental behavior levels, and sleep and mental health, because so many articles are published. Several of them, um, when they describe, when you see a meta-analysis about that, it won't tell you usually, also because of a lack of space to put words, when in time and place that data was collected. For example, I'll give an example here where I am right now. We have like big differences on how the first wave was characterized here than like the first wave was characterized in Brazil. And the policies that changed, um, you know, social distancing and like stay at home when the schools were closed, gyms were closed, sports, uh, sports facilities were closed. They differed a lot between countries and space. And also that together with the closing of um, working from home maybe has led families that were usually didn't have that much time together to start having more time together but not having the same options for lazy. So you couldn't go to, you know, a sports club and play soccer. Kids wouldn't be going to school or daycare or aftercare. That change in context already changed their behavior so much that we don't know if like they will actually be coming back to the same levels as before in the same way. And when we compare studies during studies with data collected in 2020 and 2021, it is very hard to compare data from one study conducted in winter, from summer, from like early 2020 to late 2020. Uh, there were vaccines, things sometimes were reopening. Uh, this time between waves or like the introduction of a new variant in any given community or country that changed again the, the way people behaved. And this contextual information is not reported usually. It's very rare to open an article, okay, data was collected between second wave and third wave of COVID on these cities. That meant that people could not, like, you know, had to distance, they had to wear masks. We don't know that. All we know is that, okay, this observed uh, that physical activity decreased, that observed that sedentary behavior increased, and maybe we don't know exactly the details of that causal chain that led physical activity to decrease. Mm. So... Here, we collected some data during the summer of 2020 in Canada. Hmm. And we saw like high levels of physical activity among children and adolescents. And it was summer, so they had their school break. Gyms were closed, sports facilities were closed, but their parents were working from home. Their siblings were from home. And the weather was like sunlight from, you know, 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. They could play on the streets. They could like, you know, go hiking, biking. There's so much to do on the outdoors that it was probably one of the most active periods of the year 
because they had time to play and, you know, have fun. Probably would not have happened in a very dense city where in the same period of time. And that probably didn't happen on winter, even though policies were similar, because then they don't have school, they don't have sports facilities, and then it's cold outside to play. <laughs> it's dark early. Yeah. And it's very hard to account for these changes. Okay, we saw an, an increase in physical activity. We don't have a control group that is winter in our study. We don't have a control group that is in a very densely populated city. How do we know what caused that spike in physical activity? Everything together? Or is there one or two things that are like key to increasing those physical activity levels in those specific maps? That contextual information sometimes is not only not reported, but sometimes, hopefully, when it's reported, it's very hard to analyze when you don't have a something to compare to in the same period of time. And then it's hard to compare to other studies because sometimes they don't report those contextual informations. So we don't know how well you can compare to them. Was, like, was it winter there? Was it summer when you collected data? How dense how dense is the where you collected data? Like So it's very hard for us to measure and report it or use it in analysis. And even in it is there, it's hard when other studies don't do the same. And, well, sometimes you don't have lots of space on the articles to actually write it down, like, two, three, four paragraphs, like, really describing your sample, the context where they are in, and the context where data collection took place. I suppose we could have more, you know, more care in reporting that, in taking that into account, even if it wasn't objective much, even if you don't have the temperature, humidity, you know, how much it rained, uh, something, everything more for people who read to get, like, to be able to think and, you know, relate to the participants and the context where they were, their behavior was measured. Yeah, I think it's when you when you actually read scientific studies, you clearly see that most of the researchers don't understand that it's very different in different countries. That you should describe like how the how the university sport is is arranged. It's different in U Europe and in US. How is the how is the weather? What what kind of things influence? What's the walkability of the neighborhoods in in general even? And those are usually overlooked. People think that everything is like in their their city or in their country, and they don't report. And usually, the studies are read internationally. So I I fully agree that there should be more reporting. And and for example, the weather data you can get it easily. You can you can just check it from the history. If you just have the dates, you can you can check that what was the weather in in that region, and it could be very very easy to report. And and you also said that it's difficult to know that what led to behavior change when you don't know all the all the variables. And I had Stuart Biddle as a guest, and he said that I think he said it's complex, and and behavior change is definitely not only psychology. So there's there's so many things things affecting. How, how do you how do you see the behavior change implications in all this? What kind of studies we would need that we would be better in behavior change oh that that is a very hard question uh, well i really don't know the answer right away um 
<laughs> like Professor Biddle said, it's very complex. And even in his book helps a lot, um, the psychology of physical activity. But I think like changing behavior, in our case, there are like so many little things that influence people to engage in more or less physical activity that there is no single answer. Like we need, I believe we need like to go from all around the behavior, both like from the structural side, policy side, you know, very following the the path literally of the socio-ecological model. And we have to make those behaviors be very easy. The decisions to opt in physical activity be very easy and convenient. So it's hard to say because there are so many experiences of successes, but then they scale up. And there are so many good ideas that when you test, they don't actually change behavior. So facilitating physical activity can go from, you know, taking taxes out of sports material, for example, take taxes out of bikes, <laughs> make them very affordable for everyone, you know, make bike paths, bike paths easy, uh, facilitate integration between um, different activities. For example, if you have a, a bus pass, maybe you integrate with a park pass so people can go around and go, go to parks and go hiking without having to worry. Like Facilitate that. Now that I already have the pass, I might as well go and make use of it. Um, gyms as well. Like, some places it can be very hard to go to a gym. If it's more than, you know, if you have to take the car for 15 minutes and like finding a park spot, that's very, those, those, it has to be very convenient to make people like actually want to go. Not everyone. Some people will go regardless of the of the barriers. They will like hike a mountain to go to the gym. But um, the idea is that in every aspect, this needs to be is easily made available. Mm. And how do you see? Like you mainly talked about facilitators, and then there's also barriers. Which one do you see more important? For example, that you get people active in a certain city. Do you see that you should eliminate barriers or create facilitation? Which one do you see as a as a priority? Oh, I think that goes case by case. I think if we go from a, like a whole approach, like it will need to be case by case. I personally think that removing the barriers will have like a, a faster impact mm. on behavior change, but. Um, Pretty much, you see them almost like as the same thing. Like both things will add up like to the same direction. But right now, even with COVID, the problem is like some things are so much more convenient than being physically active. I mean, even among physical activities, if you enjoy running, you need to put your shoes on and go. That is pretty much takes minutes. You don't need lots of preparation. But if you're somebody that do not enjoy running, then it might take more and more organization for it. Different thing that you want to engage to like if you want to play soccer like soccer in a real you need to find a field you need to find 22 players you need like to schedule time and everybody like is able to you know attend it is a lot of preparation like there's lots of things that go before the actual physical activity so when you compare that to even uh like you know use your smartphone when you have like zero time to like you know start playing a game 
or open social media and start scrolling and talking to your friends, if all you want is to engage to a, in a fun activity with your friends, then soccer may not be like as convenient as it seems. And you, you end up doing other stuff that are more convenient. So I think removing, removing those barriers and making facilitators easier they will have to like go a long way into making people actually changing their behavior. Uh, if you have like a park near you where you know like you can just go there and there will be pe- like you can just talk to people and start playing, that doesn't happen. Well, I don't know. It used to happen when I was a kid. It doesn't. I don't see it happening anymore. When I was a kid, we were just like you know, leave the house. There will be other kids on the street. You get a ball. You put your flip flops and you start playing. We didn't have smartphones. Yeah. Nowadays, like I think you, the getting the smartphone and playing a game with your friends is like much easier than that even. So it really needs to be very convenient and easy to make like physical activity happen if we can, if we need to compete with uh, the other options, the other activities to you know occupy time. Like organizing twenty two players in one time slot in a week takes a lot of effort. In my opinion, totally worth it. But it is, uh, if you have more technology, more means to making that whole process of before playing easier, that helps a lot. And that's like from organizing leagues in parks, um, classes for adults, because some people, you know, maybe they never experienced a sport in childhood. And then they were probably not engaged in that in adulthood. So like you have classes to facilitate that, that would be like amazing too. Here I came to Canada, I don't know how to skate even, and everyone wants to play hockey. Yeah, you can learn, learn. but I, I think you have a great point that we spend our time some way, and if arranging 22 players in the field, is, is, it's a lot of work, and opening uh, Twitter, Instagram, or anything, it takes like one second, and it's it's just there when you were checking the weather for for soccer and and you end up doing it that's that's true that we need to make it easier and i think it's also we have quite strict norms of what sport and physical activity is i've been last 2 3 years i've been training in parks i've been training in the rooftop and different places and usually the places where i'm training there's pretty much no one else training because they they think that you cannot do shadow boxing in the rooftop or or something and i think we have just really strict ideas that what can we do where and like most of the things you can train really close to your home it doesn't need to be that official place that you can you can do push-ups or something you don't need to go to gym to do push-ups or or something so i think it's also about changing changing the attitude that we have what is sport what is physical activity how can we actually do it yeah like for us researchers sometimes that is pretty obvious like that physical activity like anything can be made but to change like the behavior of people that do not study don't have like that knowledge that feeling sometimes that experience because lots of us came from like a sport background or something like that it is quite challenging now i know some companies even like um like peloton like they grow so much during covid because all you need is like your bike at home and then you have instructors and you have like uh you engage in the same physical activity as other people like live so yeah you can pretty much be active anywhere in any circumstance but 
for some people, I think that's a lot harder because they don't know they can. They like haven't experienced that. They, yeah, I really don't know like what are the the steps that we need to take to make that more common, more normal. Like. Mm, but but let let's say that you said, for example, that as a child you could just go in the field and and start playing with someone. Why couldn't we as adults make like sport places where you can just go and like, ah, do you want to do this? And it it would kind of be facilitated that that it's there's different things that you can do in the same place and you can choose what you do. It, it's not impossible to arrange that. For example, in a in a tennis club, you just go there and then like, all right, you're probably a good partner for me. Let's play. Or you can switch that. You don't need to call call your friend and arrange the time before. So I think it's also just inventing and starting doing things in a different way. And I think a good example I was living a couple of years in UK is the park run. I don't know if you know the concept, but basically I think it was every Saturday morning, uh, 9 a.m. in the in the park. There was like a couple of parks in, in Liverpool, for example. You can just go there and you have just put your name once in internet and then you print a barcode and you print it and you put it in your pocket or you have it in your phone. And then you just go there 9 a.m., you start running And when you finish, they just scan the code and you get time. And you didn't need to sign up for it. You didn't need to do basically anything than once go and put your name and get the barcode. And that's all you need for running a competition, even every weekend if you want. And it was just a, I think, 5K run. But I really like the simplicity that you just go there and it was It was nice, nice way. There was quite a lot of people every every Saturday morning, and I think it's just a good example that how easy you can actually make when you think a little bit to make it easy. Yeah, sometimes that is an amazing idea. I never heard of it, but like the virtual races now, they're so convenient too. Like you participate, you record your time in an app, and like you know, you see what other people are doing. So that's inspiring. Like yeah, if you go to race a five k with like two thousand people. Like, that is so nice, so inspiring. People are cheering, there's music, and, you know, sometimes it just needs to be a little bit easier for people to start. And I think those types of activities are amazing when you just, like, get, do it yourself, get a number, go run and see other people. And, you know, you can compare yourself from week to another. So you can go to different places. I'm a big fan of running. Like, I think it's so convenient and so easy that... Mm. You know, it's simple. You can go 5 a.m., you can go 10 p.m., but I know that not everyone finds that it quite enjoyable. Hmm. Um, but yeah, it would be awesome if other activities were just a, as easy. I don't know if anyone has tried like an Uber for sports <laughs> where you hmm. just say you're looking for partners for basketball and like it searches your area for other people that want to play basketball right now and, you know, schedule time and go play. Yeah. But, um, in some way, we'll need to like make that just as convenient as getting your phone and doing something else. I think that will be one way where, like, we'll, it to overcome the, those barriers of organizing it. Mm, yeah, makes makes sense. Uh, I think I have run out of my my questions on on this team. Do you have anything you want to add in the in the discussion? Yeah, I don't have a lot of knowledge about it, but one thing that I think might hold promise is the VR for physical activity. I think like 
some studies are not well pe- some people have like motion sicknesses like when they use the the headsets mm. for virtual reality uh but it seems like it's a good workout like I know the extra games kind of like promised to change how we are active in our leisure a couple of years ago and didn't actually stick, but maybe that's something worth looking at for physical activity promotion as well. I think that's something that may be easy to do at home. You can do it anytime and perhaps there will be like, you know, it will be just as easy as to get your phone and start doing your shadow boxing, but with the VR for people to start, Yeah, maybe that will be a good... Uh, a good way to facilitate physical activity for everyone. Although it's quite expensive, so it's not exactly for everyone, but you know, yeah. maybe one day. Yeah, I, I think there's potential because I met a guy who was retired. He was something like 65, a pretty, pretty guy. And he said that he has the VR and he, he told it so excited, like <laughs> how it is, how scary some things are when you are in a, in a, in a heights and you see down and and he was he was really excited when he was telling it and i thought that if people aged 65 and over are are excited about it and and talk it that way i think it it must be interesting like i I think it has potential yeah i hope so too like it you know has the potential to be like, okay, I'm not going to watch TV. I'm going to put my VR set and I'm going to do something active. You're still at mm. home. You're safe. Like, doesn't have, you don't have to organize, you know, weather, place and everything. So I think it might be a way for some people to engage in physical activity pretty easily and in a fun way, which is also mm. exciting. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Um, do you have any, any studies that you or your, your, group is planning what kind of things you you are are doing so we are with a couple projects right now um i think one of them is very exciting we're trying to investigate like the motivational mechanisms of different types of physical activity and sedentary behavior so our idea is or theory is it's more like kind of hypothesis is that during covid um, children and adolescents because they have less autonomy than adults like you know to opt what they can and cannot do, um, they turn to social media and video games to mm. fulfill their needs of autonomy, competence, and connectedness. Like they could not go to the school, so they had to connect to their friends through some way. Like that's what we do as people. Mm. And now that we're returning to things as normal. Uh, we want to investigate if like they changed it back to maybe like connecting to people through different sports and physical activities. And if those activities from like this motivational perspective, they are competing or not. So you want to know like do engaging, if they engage in physical activity because they're expected to, because they want to, because it's enjoyable. And if that same path happens to different sedentary behaviors. So I think that will help us a little bit to, you know, understand how can we make physical activity a little bit more appealing if, you know, like, okay, Mm. maybe social media is taking a lot of care of their connectedness. We'll have to, you know, make something easier for them to socialize during physical activity to actually make it appealing to them. But uh, it's it's still in paper yet. We haven't. there's lots of steps before we can actually start entering it to an exercise in reflection. Mm. And is there is there any 
any collaboration you are looking? Is there anything listeners could help you with or, or anything like that? Well, collaboration, sometimes it's, uh, it is hard because this is still in, in planning, but any help is, is very welcome. Um, we are having a, one of the challenges here is measuring in a large scale different engagements in sedentary behavior and physical activity in a way that makes sense for us to associate with the motivational mechanism. So if we ask them for sedentary behavior, this is even harder. If we ask them, do you engage in physical activity because you enjoy it? It's very hard for them. To, it may be hard for them to answer because if I go on a treadmill for 10 minutes, I probably do not do that because I engage it. I, I'm not like having the time of my life in the treadmill. It's just like probably a warm up or like I want to go to lose weight. But at the same time, when I engage in soccer, I do that because I enjoy it a lot. So both mm. are physical activity, but one, I have one effective response and the other, I have another effective response. When I answer a questionnaire, those answers are probably weighted against one another. So when they say they in how much they enjoy, they might be thinking only about soccer, or they might be thinking only about the gym. So mm. we are breaking our heads to find a way to make it so we can get an effective response that is specific for each activity. And this mm. is very hard because you can't have like a 200-page questionnaire when they answer that for every activity they do. And it gets even more complex when we go to sedentary behaviors because people don't sit because they enjoy sitting. Sitting is just a means to an end. So we, we, we can't ask them, like, do you enjoy, do you sit a lot because you enjoy sitting? No, they probably are sitting because they work, but they are not having the time of their life when they work. But they also sit when they, don't know, play video games or, look, or do something that they actually enjoy. So it is quite hard to measure the motivational mechanisms of each of these specific activities. Uh, so if any one of the listeners have any idea or want to talk about it or share a coffee, any insight is very welcome into trying to figure out how to, you know, untangle how yeah. everything happens together. Yeah. So you are asking retrospectively uh, for for example, that what did they do last week or last month and then that if they enjoyed, right? Yes, we're like, the idea for now is to start with a more broad question in a project and see what we can find, like explore what are the answers and maybe get some qualitative data, maybe interview a couple of the participants or do focus groups to get like what activities do they enjoy most, why do they enjoy, why do they engage, and then like try to inform that and structure a better questionnaire that is fit to answer what we need. Uh, but plan B is, <laughs> is asking retrospectively and adapting validated questionnaires. We have like the break three and uh, break two, I think, <laughs> for for motivation, but it's still, nobody has used it in the, in the way that we want to use, so it's hard to, yeah, to see yeah. if we're going to actually phrase it well and get data that actually answers what we're looking for. Mm. Yeah, I, I think one, one option could be that if you are able to ask the questions at the time when they are doing, we actually have a have an app on on this it's it's called Phibian my move so basically when the person is doing some activity at least for 15 minutes then the app will ask like who did you do with 
what was the what was the emotion what was the effect and and then it's a little bit easier because they are answering it right away when they actually still still remember it so that could be that could be one one option uh, this system has been used used in schools it was first developed for for kind of motivational tool into schools or for for children to to do but now we have brought it also to research and i i can send you some some more information but it Please. it could be it's it's just like you know you just tap few questions and then it's it's there and it has a dashboard and 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 so on but yeah that's that's just one way maybe of asking it right away could could help a bit maybe yeah having it time stamped with the activities would be like the best case scenario mm. um but again like the the infrastructure the technical part of doing that in large scale may be a little tricky but i will read please send me the material yeah of course the scalability is is important the the app and the dashboard have been done in a way that you can easily do for example thousand participants that it goes okay you have the you have the group and you can have of course the children or the participant needs to have their own smartphone and the app needs to be installed but then you have all those thousand participants in a one dashboard so basically all the time it's updating the dashboard and then with the one one click basically you can download the whole research database from from okay. these thousand thousand participants yeah so yeah, that, yeah. Is, that, that is very smart like yeah using smartphones for collecting data is definitely like one of the things that needs to become more more common overall like it records like screen time data it has its own accelerometer like using mm -hmm. that it's challenging from a technical perspective and sometimes from an ethical perspective if you're getting like all the data of your participants but it's mm -hmm. definitely something that we'll need to get to look that into more carefully yeah and of course like accelerometers are good research accelerometers are good but you need the device for all participants so it's not as, as scalable, but if it's only yeah. an app which which can be just installed and everybody has the phone anyway, then basically you can scale it quite quite cost effective to to large yes. number of people. Yeah, thank you. I, I I will read about it. That is actually very very promising. Yeah, we can we can discuss it other time. Um, it's been very very interesting discussions about these things, context and and environment. So thanks for for taking the time for this podcast, Bruno. Oh, thank you, Ali. It was a pleasure. Um, I'm sorry, diverging a little bit. I talk a lot, and sometimes I get distracted with the thoughts and like things we've read more recently. Um, but thanks, it was great. Uh, thank yeah. you. Yeah, really. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us this week on Physical Activity Researcher Podcast. If you like the show, make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing or following the show on Twitter. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Thank you for your support. If you found value in the show, we would really appreciate a rating on Apple Podcast or whichever app you use. Or if you would, in a real old school way, simply tell a friend about the show. It would be a great help for us. We have a fantastic lineup of guests for forthcoming episodes, 
So be sure to tune in. Thank you all for your support and have a great day.